Washington Weekly Review. It's the week of October 9, 2021. I'm the Southeast Iowa Union's Kalen McCain. Our local stories this week feature the Washington City Administrator Search, a ruling from the Board of Adjustment, and the Riverboat Foundation grant winners. But first, a look at the big picture. The Iowa State Senate sent redistricting maps back to the drawing board Tuesday in an 18-32 party-line vote. State Senator Robbie Smith, a Republican, said the maps needed work. Senate File 620 may meet statutory requirements. However, there are opportunities for these maps to be improved. Iowa law stipulates that, quote, in general, reasonably compact districts are those which are square, rectangular, or hexagonal in shape, and not irregularly shaped, end quote. This map includes a triangle a pyramid, a figure eight, and a district that is so irregular, it looks like the 1800 salamander known for gerrymandering. Some Democrats, however, accused Republicans of pushing the maps to a third draft, at which point the state's nonpartisan legislative services agency would step away from the process, allowing the legislature to make its own amendments. District 17 Senator Tony Bizignano was one such Democrat. This is extremely complicated, and, and if we don't look at the end game of this, we're going to get trapped into a scenario that's going to make Iowa look like some of the worst gerrymandering states in the United States. But I can tell you, everything's going to sit on the second plan because you move to the third plan, it will destroy this institution. Because when we can file for our own best interest, that's what we're doing. When we amend the plan, we file for our best interest, our selfish interest, not the Iowans' interest, not the community's interest. Our interest. District 39 Senator Kevin Kinney, a Democrat, said the first drafts were sufficiently fair. I just felt that it was a uh, process that was bipartisan, and I felt that it was fair. I, I mean, there, there's changes that I'm sure are going to happen, but we'll wait and see what happens. Uh, at this point, it's still a uh, being done by the uh, LSA, the Legislative Service Agency, but it is a fair and impartial drawing of a map. That's, that's all I can ask for. State Representative Jared Klein, a Republican who has not yet had a chance to vote on the issue, said he had no problems with the first draft, but trusted the Senate's judgment. While I thought the maps as they were drawn was fair and done the way that LSA does their things, in a bipartisan manner. I also am not going to cast doubt on the Senate because I understand where they're coming from as far as a couple of these districts. They're, they're a little weird in their definitions and, and how they're drawn out. The Senate gave us the message, and we'll see what the next map brings. That's it for the big picture. We'll be back with the local news right after the break. Washington is rebooting its search for a new city administrator after declining to hire the finalists interviewed last week, according to Mayor Jaron Rosine. At this time, we do not have a candidate for city administrator to propose for hire. The personnel hiring committee established by council resolution is scheduled to meet tomorrow. Our intention will be to provide a recommendation to council with a framework for a second round of applications. Thank you to all 
who continue to be patient as we continue our work to make this decision with the care it requires. Rosine said restarting the process would hopefully yield better results, citing competition for city administrators in several other cities during Washington's original search period. The city of Spencer, Iowa just hired a city administrator. Uh, the city of Marion, Iowa just hired a city administrator. I believe there's a third city that also did the same. So a pile of applicants for those positions and those potential finalists are now freed up and potentially would be a good fit for the city of Washington, Iowa. I am confident that we will find the best fit for the city of Washington, and that's why we didn't make a hire during this last round. The move would have uncertain effects on the timeline for a new administrator. Likely the second application process will be shortened from the first. It will ultimately depend on what that personnel committee discusses and recommends to council. And that may be at a meeting in two weeks, or we may have a quicker special meeting just to approve that timetable. We're back to where we were. We're, I mean, th that's to be determined, just like at the beginning, the process was to be determined. Interim co-administrator Kelsey Brown said the wait would be worth it. We just want to make sure that we're truly finding the best fit and the most qualified candidate. Yes, we understand that means more work for us. and. We're lucky that we have extra help with the department heads and the mayor and the council that have been really understanding and hopefully we can just get through it all together and find the best person for the fit. The Washington Board of Adjustment unanimously denied a request for a variance from the owner of a duplex built on a lot too small to occupy under city code. Board Chair Sharla Howard said the request put board members in a difficult position. Well, to me, the ordinance is designed to not get to this point. The variance, the ordinance, it was already set. There should have been a procedure followed. It wasn't followed. Now we're here trying to give the ultimate answer. There's more answers out there, but I don't know that it lies within this board. We've been handed a very difficult decision, and it's not fun for any of us, and we've struggled with it. Vice Chair Jim Zaglowski agreed, saying issues with the building stemmed from construction beginning before a permit was given and fell beyond the board's jurisdiction. The issues and the situation where we're at, I believe that's for somebody else to resolve. I think we can vote either yes or no on the variance, and whatever our vote is, then it's up to Mr. Lepic, his builder, and the city to decide where that goes. I'm struggling with keeping the spirit of the ordinance and our assigned responsibilities as a board. I want to act on that information, not on the fact that we've invested 300 and some thousand dollars on a property now, and if you don't let me have this, what can I do? I, too, am all in favor of improvements in our community, taking properties that are eyesores or, or not kept up and putting nicer, newer houses up. But I have to keep in mind what my task, what my role, what my responsibility is. Board members, including John Greener, also worried about setting a problematic expectation in the community. I have a problem with the process. They built the house and then came for the uh, proper permits and everything. What if we allow that? I mean... They could build a pole building in my backyard and open a gas station and then say, oh, well, it's already there. What do you want me to do? Tear it down? See, and then we're stuck. And I complain to this board and you say to me, yeah, well, we did it before. Yeah, that's, that's the fear of setting a precedent. The Washington County Riverboat Foundation announced recipients for a total of $1.35 million of grant money Wednesday night. 
Foundation President Sean Ellingson said the projects were chosen carefully. To be in a position to the casino where they've been able to give us this money or we've gotten this money to give out for the grants, we feel very, very fortunate. We had a really good grant cycle. There was numerous good grants. You know, we settled on these because we thought they were very impactful. Uh, they were big grants that uh, we really thought would make a pretty big impact in the communities. In a departure from tradition, the foundation announced how much money each recipient would receive, information that would normally be withheld until a formal reception in November. We want people to get going on their grants. A lot of these people have been waiting because we haven't had a big grant cycle for about a year and a half. Last year we had suspended our grants because we didn't know what was going on with COVID and because the casino had been closed for a period of time. So this was our first big grant cycle and we knew these people had projects that were getting going. So we wanted to be able to announce them quick, make sure that they, they're aware that they are getting a grant and then move forward with them. Hospice of Washington County was one of the biggest recipients, walking away with over $400,000. Hospice Executive Director Katrina Altenhoven said the organization was immensely thankful for the grant. The cost of the building, because like with everything else, cost of labor and, and materials has gone up. So what we had tried to keep under a million dollar office project has turned into a little bit more. And so we have raised about 550000 in our big campaigns. And so when we wrote for this, we were hoping whatever we could get, we knew we could swing a loan but this just lets us breathe that much easier, lets us to continue to do um, our, our care that we love to do with our patients and provide the, the quality of care that we want to without having to worry, where's that dollar coming from? Other grant recipients included Washington County Conservation, the City of Kyoto, Washington County Hospitals and Clinics, and a research farm. That's it for the local news. We'll be back with the best news I've heard all week right after this. Best news I've heard all week. Pumpkins with positive painted on messages appeared on doorsteps in the Washington area this week. Part of Washington County 4-H's new Pumpkins for a Purpose project. ISU Extension County Youth Coordinator Amy Green said the project had kids bring pumpkins to anyone that might need a boost. Pumpkins with a Purpose is a new activity for Washington County 4-H families to participate in um, this year. And the goal is just to spread some kindness in a different way. You know, we all get excited for the fall season and people are growing pumpkins and buying pumpkins and decorating with pumpkins and carving pumpkins. And I thought, you know, what's a way that we can give to our community a little bit? The program was made possible by a donation from the Country Pumpkins Farm. Co-owner Brendan Black said they loved the project idea. Uh, I've known the, uh, the person that puts on that program for many, many years and uh, just thought it sounded like a, a fun project for the kids. Just a way to, to give back in a very small way. And now, housekeeping. Thank you for listening to the Washington Weekly Review. This podcast is copyrighted property of the Southeast Iowa Union, which is owned by Gazette Communications Incorporated, a Foley's company. Our intro and outro music, as well as our sound effects, are available through a Creative Commons Zero license. Our break music this week was a selection of clips played by the Washington High School Marching Band during their homecoming coronation on Thursday. If you're interested in buying ads for the show, give our office a call at 319-653-2191. Consider sharing this podcast with a friend. We're in the first phases of this product, and it helps a lot to know that we have an audience. This has been the Washington Weekly Review. Review. 
I have been Kalen McCain. Have a great week.